In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome back to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I have a fun observation, maybe. (laughs) I I wouldn't say it's exactly planned, but this snuck up on me. Ordinary Sherpa is celebrating two years in existence. We launched in November of 2020. November 11th of 2020 was our first episode. And yeah, we're going to hit the two-year mark this week. So it's a huge, fun little way for us to celebrate. And one of the ways you can join a little celebration is we are doing a live meetup, well, an online live meetup, a Q&A on travel hacking for families. How do I learn travel rewards and make it useful for families? That live Q&A is on Sunday, and you can come join the fun. I've been trying to find ways to, to just be Sherpas together, to bring the community together. I love so much about this work is the community connecting point. So if you want to join us on Sunday, you do need to register OrdinarySherpa.com backslash live. Even if you're just curious, even if you have no idea what travel rewards even are, just come on and join us and learn and we'll have a good time together. One of the things I love about this community is that you learn so much and you get so inspired when you connect with other people. And I think that has always been a cornerstone to the brand was to inspire families to connect, not just as a family unit, but with other families. Our guest today is someone that I'd been really influenced by over the years. I was so excited to find a parent who was traveling with their kids back when I couldn't find a lot of people. So I've been following our guest's content for a while, and I just love his voice, and I'm so excited to bring him here to you today. And without any further ado... At one time, our guest worked in healthcare, but was not so secretly addicted to travel. He's been to over 100 countries and seven continents. What sets him apart from many of the travelers I know is his approach, his uncanny way to make you laugh, and completely envious of him experiencing incredible locations with his kids. While many parents are taking breaks from their kids and heading overseas without them, their family's not like that. Starting at age four, his kids each got to pick a destination in the world, and they weren't too shy about having a one-on-one with them in crazy destinations. A few places have included Australia, Hong Kong, Belize, Easter Island, Igazu Falls, Bali, Japan, Maldives, and Antarctica, and that was just from ages four to eight. In 2012, he was lucky enough to win Condé Nast Traveler Magazine's Photo of the Year contest. The magazine planned an amazing two weeks in Florence for them. In the first two days, there were three different people who called him Babbo, Italian for dad. The kids started using it, and it stuck. They haven't called him dad since they returned from that trip. And the funny thing is Babbo only means dad in certain parts of Italy. In other parts, it means idiot. Today, I'm excited to have a conversation with the family travel influencer who literally has the trademark, take your kids everywhere. Eric Stone of Travel Babbo, welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thank you very much, Heidi. It's great to be here. So let's talk. I mean, you've been to over 100 countries, but as you and I got to know each other at TravelCon, I had asked, like, how many countries in the world are there? That's not really that many of the total countries, correct? 
there's officially like 193 or 194, depending on what list you're looking at. So I'm probably a little bit over halfway, except that uh, at this point I've slowed down because there are a lot of places that aren't on my list and, and I'm not trying to check things off or just, you know, stop in countries for a day to get a passport stamp. So I'd rather go back to Italy and Greece like every year and, and leave some other places probably off the list forever. But, um, but yeah, officially I kind of keep that number just out of curiosity, but it doesn't mean much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like you because you <laughs> go back and you travel deeper, deeper. Uh, tell me about why, you know, what are some of the places that you go to over and over and over again? And, and why is each experience a little bit different? We all go back anywhere that the kids want to go back to. So it's just a matter of where they are comfortable, where they have loved the food or where we have met people, you know, whatever it is in their heads that makes a destination, you know, returnable for lack of a better term, we'll go. And, and that's been Italy largely. Uh, we absolutely love Italy. We try to travel around and see new places, but we keep coming back to Florence and, and Tuscany, especially. We love Greece. The Greek islands in the summer are kind of perfect. We've been going since the kids were little. We were never a family that had that summer tradition, like, oh, we're going to the lake house for a month where, where they would see their cousins or anything like that. So I think the closest thing we have to a tradition is, you know, maybe the Greek island of Noxos or something like that, where we've been three or four times and we know the restaurants and people recognize us and things like that. Otherwise, you know, you mentioned my one-on-one -on -one trips with the kids and they have chosen to return to some places. Um, my youngest daughter has chosen to return to Japan a couple times. My oldest daughter has wanted to go back to Bali a few times. So again, it's just, it's what speaks to their hearts and, and what they've learned to love about those places, I guess. Thank you. I think that's awesome. What I love what you're saying too, is that you let the kids decide. The kids are really influencing where they go each year, not just the first time, but every time, right? And they get to decide what those itineraries look like when you get there. Well, yeah. I mean, can you imagine how horrible a trip would be to drag kids along, you know, on a completely adult planned trip that's all about adult things, yeah. like, like long museum visits or lectures or, you know, anything like that. Like, like, why would anybody do that? I mean, I know people do do that, but it makes no sense. Like, like I, I've said it before, but if you're going to Paris and you've always wanted to see the Louvre, well, if you have young kids, maybe they don't want to see the Louvre and maybe you should return maybe in 10 years when the kids are older or off to college or whatever, and, and you can spend as much time as you want in those museums. But for now, you know, find those parks and playgrounds and have picnics. Look for the kid-friendly walking tours. Look for the kid-friendly museum tours. And I love those too, because I found that, you know, when you're on a kid-friendly tour somewhere, things aren't, I, I would hate to use the word, you know, dumbed down, but they're simplified. Mm -hmm. The history of, say, the Tower of London is simplified. And that's what I need at this point, because I've forgotten all about the history of the Tower of London. I, I That was a long time ago that I would have studied anything like that. So to get the basics that the kids are getting, that's perfect for me, too. So, yeah, the kids get to kind of determine where we go, basically determine the activities that we do when we get there. We want everything to be enjoyable by them, or and we want them to have that stake in it for, for them to know that they planned something, because they're going to be a lot more likely to want to get out of bed for something that they wanted to do, even if it was a couple months ago that they said that they wanted to do it, and that's when we booked it, than something that we're just like, oh my gosh, you're going to love this. We're going to go meet with a bunch of our friends from college, and you guys get to tag along for eight hours. Like, no, no kid wants to do that. That's so true, right? And your kids are no longer four and eight. Like, how old are they today, just to put things in context? 12, 15, and 16. Yeah. So clearly teenagers obviously have a very different perspective on what they want and what they don't want to do anymore. I've always really appreciated too, I think it was in one of your 
I don't remember which guide it was, but I remember you were giving some insight and you said, you know, I approach my role when I'm traveling as traveler first or no parent first, traveler second and photographer third. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like, how did you come to that? Or how did you realize I can't be writing or traveling or doing all these things while I'm parenting? How did you find that balance? Or how did you determine that that's the priority? Well, I only fell into travel writing kind of accidentally after I left healthcare, just because I had always been traveling with the kids since they were born. I mean, my wife and I both had been. And I would post about it on Facebook and, and put pretty pictures up and just try to inspire friends or, you know, answer their questions. And when I left healthcare or right around the same time that I was leaving healthcare, I started a blog and started writing, but I figured out that I didn't want to on a trip only be doing things as a travel writer, because again, that's not kid friendly. The kids right. don't want to be dragged along on some, some city tour that's not super kid friendly just because it was offered to me for free or because, you know, even if somebody's paying me to write about it like that, that's not going to be a fun trip. And I don't want travel to become not fun for the kids at all. I want them to have that lifelong passion and, and maybe their ebbs and flows. And, and right now as teenagers, they're not wanting to travel as much, but I never wanted negative things, I guess. That's why most of my photography is like, I'll show, I'm not afraid to show their faces, but I've always thought that it was kind of boring seeing other accounts that were essentially just photo albums, which is fine. If, if somebody wants to use Instagram as a photo album and, and keep track of all their, their favorite moments with their kids eating ice cream and things like that, that's great. Everyone can do whatever they want, but I never found that that inspiring. And so when I started social media, I just wanted to inspire. And, and to me, my kids' faces didn't do that. And my kids didn't want to pose anyways, and, and they didn't want to go to Instagrammable destinations and wait in a line to get the same pictures as everyone else. And I didn't either. And so I would just kind of photograph them as they were walking away from me, because that's generally where my position would be anyways, as I was like, this is an amazing vista in Patagonia or a really cool street in Siena, Italy or whatever. Like, I want to kind of capture this. And, and the kids are off in the distance because they're way ahead of me. That's what I would capture and, and mm -hmm. post. And so... I like being told from time to time that that's, you know, inspirational to people and that they've gone places because of my photos or because of my writing. But yeah, I don't want to have like a fun day in Greece and then come home and be on my laptop for three hours, like writing about it or anything like that. Like, that's not cool. Like maybe on the flight home, I'll, I'll put together a blog post and talk about what we liked and what we didn't like and, and what mistakes we made or whatever. But yeah, I didn't want to like just be on a trip as a writer, as a photographer and make the kids, uh, you know, tag along because that's not fun. Yeah, I, I'm chuckling a little bit because I'm imagining your kids posing and it reminds me of, I don't know, like the billion Instagram photos of like the same person in the same dress in the same location <laughs> posing for some shot for Instagram. And, and I know you obviously are more interested in being a little bit more original, being authentic, finding your own flair. And I know you've encouraged a lot of people to like, come on, really? Like, this is all you got? <laughs> so I, I appreciate that about you. I, I love just, yeah, calling out the repetition and everything. And that's my problem with reels on Instagram is that it's their entertainment for the sake of entertainment or repetition for the sake of repetition because they think Instagram will show it to more people. And that drives me crazy because I want to go to Instagram for information or for inspiration. And I'm not there. Like, I don't watch reels when they come through in my feed. Like, if it's somebody that I like, I'll like it real quick. I'll put a heart on it. And then I'll flip past it because I don't want to see 40 pictures in 20 seconds because to me, it's unwatchable. And I know people make them and they're super easy to get templates to make those, but I don't want to do that. We went to Positano, Italy last summer for the first time, and we never even went down to the beach with all the umbrellas, you know, to do the exact same pose in the early morning when nobody's there and you get the pretty light and, and the background of Positano. 
because I didn't see the point. Would it be a good photo? Sure. But like, we didn't even love Positano at all. So I'm not going to try to make it look super magical. Like, oh my gosh, take your kids to Positano because it's the kid friendliest place in the world. Because it's totally not like it's, it's kind of miserable. And especially if you had a stroller, like don't take your kids to Positano. So yeah, so yeah, I did not do any of the, the stereotypical pictures. And, and yeah, like you said, like everywhere is, is you can take your kids you know, pictures anywhere you go. And, and I was just in Switzerland last week at a lake in a town that I had never even heard of before. And there was this long line of people to take pictures on the exact same dock. And I was looking at the lake and it must have been, I don't know, dozens of miles around with all of those different spots where, where anyone could take pictures. And so to wait in the rain to take that photo, maybe people travel a long way for that photo, but it always just kind of makes me shake my head and go, look at everything else around you and, and maybe don't just settle for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that has framed actually how we approach our travel over the years. And I followed you for a while. So I think I've learned some things from you. Obviously, you're probably going to hear that is, you know, I call it on tourism because I want to go where the crowds aren't. <laughs> I want to find our version of what, the, what looks unique for us and, and find our own story. But I think too, what you're saying though is, even as a travel writer, because you're also, you know, creating content for brands or you are an ambassador. So how do you balance doing what they want you to do versus what you want to do? If I'm having to photograph for a destination, I'll do, I mean, I don't want to say oh, I'll do the minimal amount possible because I always want to deliver good content. But again, I don't want to disrupt our vacation for that. So ideally, I'm only partnering with places that fit in super seamlessly where the kids are happy to be photographed because they're loving the resort or whatever, or for a shirt company right now that I'm working for, like I'm only wearing those shirts when I'm on vacation. So every once in a while, I'll just, I'll get a selfie or I'll have a, one of the kids or my wife take a picture of me somewhere, or I'll take a selfie with my wife and, and document that that's how I'm using it. And I don't think anyone's hiring me because they want superposed photos or anything like that. I want everything to be organic. And those are the only partnerships that I'm going to accept anyways. So to me, it's super easy to fit those in. And I'm never doing that many things at once. I don't want to ever have more than maybe two sponsored posts a month on Instagram because I start unfollowing those people that are constantly selling things in places where you don't even know what their true opinion about anything is anymore because everything is paid for and everything is sponsored. And, and that drives me crazy. So like I said, I want to keep inspiring and I want people to keep following me because they're being inspired. So yeah, selling stuff is nice, but I say no to most of those things. It's just not fun for me or the family. Yeah. How did you, so maybe tell me more about as you got more into more into travel writing, because you've been to a lot of conferences, you've been to summits, you've traveled a lot, sometimes for hire and sometimes for fun. So how did you balance between when to take a job, when to go to a conference, when to go to a summit, when to go on a, a DMO tour or a FAM tour? How did you decide what was enough and what was too much? And have you been through kind of ups and downs in your travel journey or in your travel writing journey? Short answer, I did too much. And I was naive to that. And I think the COVID lockdown made me realize, you know, that that wasn't that easy on my family for four or five years when I was going to a lot of different conferences, when I was going off and traveling, um, I generally wasn't accepting free fam trips because that doesn't do much. Like I, I always had that as a line. Like I'm not going to go off and have fun somewhere in the world without my family if I'm not getting paid well to do it because I'd rather be with my family. But having said that, I think I, uh, as I was building my brand, I was saying yes to every conference and event and, and flying off to those, which I guess is probably a fine line because 
just like with, with the fam trips, like, like it was still difficult on my family far more than I realized uh, when I was gone a lot. I would go off to a really cool conference or two conferences back to back and I'd be gone two and a half weeks. Then I'd come back and my family's still right there and everything's easy and I would jump right back in. But for them, like I hadn't been home in two weeks and it's really weird to have me back. And so again, I think it was COVID that made me realize that. And, and so I've now cut down to maybe one or two events a year and only really, really good paid travel campaigns because I don't want to be that person. And so I did not choose well for your question. But other than that, networking is everything. And I realized that from the business world, and it was the same thing with travel writing or influencing, whatever you want to call it. After I quit healthcare and kind of started travel writing, I went to a, a TBEX travel blogging conference in, in Spain. And I think right before that was ITB in Berlin, the largest travel trade show in the world. And I didn't know anyone at those at all. Um, maybe I knew one person at TBEX because I had been to ITB. Um, but, you know, you get past that and then you see that one person in a room and you go over, then you meet one more person, you know, and one more person. And, and then the next event that you go to, you know, maybe five people and it just, it snowballs and, and you meet the people that are going to hire you. Because if you're talking with, say, Visit Britain at one conference, they're like, okay, whatever, this guy's brand new, you know, who knows whether he's going to make it or not. Maybe he's going to go back to healthcare in, in three months. We're not going to spend a lot of money to get him over to Britain or, or on a partnership. But if they see me at a second or a third or a fourth or fifth conference over the course of two years, all of a sudden, you know, they remember me, we've had really good conversations before, and they know I'm in it for the long haul because I've probably already outlasted some other people. Plus, I've shown up to those events, you know, one-on-one -on -one wanting to have those conversations. And that's where my best partnerships have come from. And, and so I think I made the right decision as far as job growth um, and as far as, as making my brand more successful. It was more difficult on my family, like I said, uh, than I realized. But yeah, I would fully encourage people, especially if you don't have kids yet, <laughs> to go to every conference and event that you can because professionally they are beneficial, plus they're fun. And travel writers and bloggers and adventure writers and, and brands and tour companies. Like it's the coolest community. Like I love this. Like there are very few people from 18 years in healthcare that I care about seeing again. I was never passionate about that. Now, like after eight years, I guess, in travel writing, like I love these people. I just got back from the Adventure Travel World Summit in Switzerland and probably knew 50 or 60 people going in out of 800 delegates. And afterwards, I probably know 100 people there well. And it's almost like a second family. And it's kind of magical and amazing. And that was the first one they held uh, since COVID. So just to be back with them, like it was just the best feeling ever. So yeah, I, I, if anyone's getting started, I would say go to events. I, I just heard this yesterday, actually. Somebody wrote me, I said, oh my gosh, you know, I've been blogging for a while now. Um, it's so frustrating. I've just sent out probably 25 pitches recently. I'm not even getting responses. My uh, response to that was to go network, to go to some events because that's where the decisions are made. Like anyone in, in a hotel is getting so many requests a day for a free stay. And, and they're probably not even responding to any of them anymore. Maybe one a day. 
But if you go and you have drinks with that person at a conference, you're going to be top of their list and, and you're going to get a really good response. So I think the face-to-face stuff is so important. Yeah. Yeah. We got talking about this, I know, at uh, TravelCon um, where I had the luxury of meeting you. And I think it was kind of funny because I think we we put brands sometimes up on a pedestal too that they're worthy or something. <laughs> and I was joking because even in my line of work, I'm like, this isn't really all that different than selling anything or pitching to anything. But that first time is always awkward, right? You know, I'm thinking about probably your first time when you're we're the new guy in the room. It is awkward. And yet something about that is good. It it helps build, I think, your travel skill set even. Like how do you show up in a community when you arrive, when you know nobody and you're the new person in town? What does that look like? You know, so I'm just kind of curious. Has that been now you've been doing this for quite a while. So can you go back to eight years ago when you were the new guy in town? And say, how were some of those new uncomfortable experiences? How did they influence you and just how you showed up in communities? Did it affect your travel? Did it affect how you approached the work? Yeah, you just, you nailed it because when you're the new person, you need an elevator pitch. You need need a little 20 second speech about why you are unique, why somebody should work with you, what your attitude on travel is, what your perspective is, and everything like that. So it's the people with those unique pitches that I remember, but that are probably still travel writers like eight years later. And it's the people that never figured out their voice, that never figured out what makes them unique or why somebody should follow them or work with them. And those are the people that, that had fun in travel writing for maybe a year and then went back to real jobs because they weren't making money in travel writing. So I think that's the biggest thing when you're new. When I went to ITV Berlin, like it's 26 huge exhibit halls, probably more at this point. It takes half an hour to walk from one side of the event to the other. The scale is, is something that nobody can even comprehend. 10,000 or so exhibitors, like every airline and tour company and destination in the world, every hotel, like at least hotel chain and a lot of boutique hotels, everyone is there. And so if you're walking up to somebody, yeah, you better have something to say instead of, you know, not just, like, oh, when I go to Vienna, you know, can I stay at your hotel? But this and you know you need to click with that person and and let them see the light in your eyes like like why you're excited to be talking to people about that hotel in vienna or or how that features into your your whole plan and and how you see your blog progressing and everything else like so yeah like being thrown into itv early on when i had just started travel writing when i didn't really when i barely had social media accounts or whatever that was amazing. And and I still got some partnerships out of it. And, and it's, it's kind of tough anyways, but it's like Disneyland for travelers. Like everybody in the world is there. And, and it was so much fun after healthcare just to like geek out over like just the Turkey booths and, and Iran and, and talking to these tour companies from Africa and just everyone, they're trying to sell you and you're kind of trying to sell them. But, um, but yeah, so much fun. Yeah, I love it. And when you, everybody loves travel there anyway, right? You have this kind of shared appreciation for travel anyway. So it's not like you have to break that awkward silence of like, so what do you, what do you do for a living? <laughs> right? It's so yeah. easy to have conversations. Like, like I'll literally have a conversation with a travel writer that I've never met before. And like, I could picture like traveling six months with that person, like after two minutes of talking to them, like, oh my gosh, we would get along great. And we probably would. Yeah. Eric, you've been traveling. You've been doing this now for a while. Eight years is kind of, I would say like you're up there in terms of the the travel writers that I know. Uh, I, th- I would say you're probably in the veteran experience. I don't know what's the nice way to say this. I'm trying to be nice. So don't take it that way. Okay. Do you ever get burned out from it? Are you, your kids are getting older. Do you see this continuing for a while yet? Or do you feel like 
you're getting to a point where you've done most of the things you wanted to do. I'm just kind of curious. Do you do you get exhausted? Are you done? Or do you want to keep going? I'm not exhausted. I, I'm not burnt out or anything like that. I really enjoy, I mean, obviously, like you would, like seeing new places and, and writing about them, mm -hmm. documenting them or anything else. As my kids are getting older and not wanting to travel as much, it's kind of easy for me to step back just a little bit and yeah, not be doing as much content. Maybe be thinking ahead to when they're in college. I guess my daughter will be in college in five and a half years, my youngest. Then um, I don't really like the term empty nesters, but yeah, then, then we'll be on our own again. And I'll probably keep social media going just because I get really cool invitations through that. And, and if my wife and I are traveling somewhere and there's some, I don't know, Portuguese wine experience that they want to invite us to that nobody else gets to get into just because they want an Instagram post like, like I'd be dumb not to, to do that just because I that would be a really fun experience to have. But beyond that, yeah, I've never really monetized my website. Um, I don't have ads, I maybe have a few affiliate links. And so from that perspective, I'm not motivated to create content just to create content or to keep doing this for another 10 years just to do that maybe i'll turn on ads someday and just take the easy revenue but I, but i hate doing that because i just want to inspire i want people to be able to spend 20 minutes on my website looking at articles and not being super annoyed by pop-ups and ads throughout every post and stuff like that which i totally understand a lot of people that's how they make money in travel writing so i have no problem with that yeah um but from my perspective yeah i want to just keep my website super clean so i'm not burnt out or anything like that but yeah, there, there's probably an end date because I could keep going with regular travel, but I love my wife and I'm excited to spend my retirement years or whatever. Just uh, retirement sounds like such an old word, but, um, <laughs> you know, just, just after the kids are gone to just, yeah, spend a lot of time in Europe and travel way deeper and way slower and, and love those two hour cappuccini breakfasts and, and walk through towns without a camera and without my phone. And, and not not be looking at everything like, ooh, that's a really cool, you know, potential photo op over there or whatever, but just to fully immerse ourselves because that's why I love travel. I would rather travel and not document it than like constantly just be in that mindset where I have to create content. So, yeah, so, yeah there's an end point and, and we'll just see how it kind of tapers off to that point. Yeah. You have the registered trademark for Take Your Kids Everywhere. And I know early on you were really encouraging people to take their kids everywhere. Do you have any concept of how many people or how many families have been impacted? I'm sure you hear stories all the time from thanks for this or thanks for that. Is is that kind of a, a part of what keeps you going? I love it. Um, I mean, yeah, totally not quantifiable. I have no idea how many people I've sent to a particular hotel or, or to destinations or whatever. But yeah, when people write me, um, I just got an amazing uh, DM a few days ago from a guy in Spain who said that my post on taking my son to six Asian countries in one trip or whatever, a couple summers ago, like totally motivated them. And they went to a lot of the same places and stayed in a lot of the same hotels and had this amazing trip and loved Cambodia and was just thanking me so much and inviting us out for tapas next time we're in Madrid because they would love to meet us. And I love that. Like, I totally love those anecdotes yeah. knowing that, you know, I went there with my son because we wanted to, and, you know, just to be crazy because I documented in a certain way or whatever, yeah, other people went. And so for one person who writes me, I have no idea how many people are not writing me. But yeah, I absolutely love that. Yeah. There are a couple of resources on your, I mean, I use your site all the time. So you've motivated us. We've used your calendar that you have on different times of the year to go to different places. And I will just highlight, we're going to do 
New Orleans. <laughs> We're going to do New Orleans because you told me it actually there's a lot of activity happening long before Mardi Gras. And so I think there is so much information on your website. I have a couple of resources that I'm going to link. First, the Start Here Guide, because there's just so much there that'll help you navigate. But also that that calendar of different places to go. It, it opened my eyes to what was all available. So, Eric, I want to give you a, a chance it has been such an honor. Is there anything you want to leave my audience with, whether it's something we didn't talk about or something to leave them thinking about? Honestly, I think it's just, you know, travel with your kids and, and find those adventures that speak to your kids at whatever age they're at. And, you know, tailor those destinations, tailor those trips to those passions and maybe work in a couple new things with trips because you never know what's going to maybe spark a new passion. I try to make every trip about the kids and you see this debate sometimes online, like, like, should you even be traveling with, you know, a one-year-old or whatever? What's the point if they're not going to be able to remember it? But my whole thing is, well, you remember it, the parents remember it, and, and you're still kind of parents, just like you would be at home, but you're somewhere really cool in the world, you know, parenting. And so you're having this kind of shared fun experience, but also travel is, is so cumulative. And, and if that one-year-old trip or that two-year-old trip is, is difficult, I'll bet that three-year-old or four-year-old trip is going to be super easy because at that point, your kid has been on planes and been through airports and knows what to expect and has dealt with jet lag before and all of that stuff. So I think if you, you know, wait to take your kids to really cool places until they're six or seven or eight, that's a whole new learning curve for them at that point. Everything's an adventure. And, and if you don't have the budget to go to Antarctica, which I fully understand, they're really cool adventures to be had in your backyard. But yeah, like you said, like New Orleans, New Orleans is great. It's super unique for the U.S. And and we love it. We love the, the food. The celebrations around Mardi Gras are really fun, starting roughly, what, four, six weeks, I think, before Mardi Gras itself. You have parades, which are super kid friendly. The world's out there. And I would say just explore with your kids as early as you possibly can, because I think good things will come of it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I I appreciate actually your comment around uh, you know traveling as early as I joke. Yes, they, it helps them learn those skills. But I always said I was a better mom when I traveled because it's the one time I recognized everything that happens today is completely outside of my control. Because it is the airline who's going to decide if this is going to work today. And in in life, I don't know that we always embrace that. You know that we can't always control everything that's happening. And so travel's been a great teacher in our family. It has been such an honor, Eric. If people want to follow you, find your website, research all the things, I know you're probably most active on Instagram. Is that correct? How would we find you? I love Instagram. I, I still, even with all of its problems and, and you know the fact that you don't really reach anyone anymore or whatever, yeah, I still love Instagram. I love getting messages there and ideally posting daily, especially when I'm traveling. I always live post because um, I know a lot of people don't, but I, I love I'm meeting up with people. I just met this photographer that I've always followed in Florence because he and I were both there just for a few hours that we overlapped. And my phone background for years has been one of his pictures that he took in Florence. And so it was really cool being able to meet him just because I was live posting and he was like, hey, I'm going to be there too. Um, and also recommendations. Like I get so many recommendations for restaurants or for activities or for cooking classes or whatever. When when people see that I'm somewhere, I try to take advantage of those. So yeah, follow me and, and message me if, if something speaks to you or whatever. But otherwise, my blog is where I kind of post all of my good information and ideas for travel for families based on different interests. But otherwise, yeah, Instagram is where I'm kind of alive every day. Thank you. Thank you. It was so fun to connect, have this conversation. You came highly requested from my audience. So I know this will be an awesome episode. It's been great to have the conversation with you tonight, Eric. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Heidi. 
I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Eric. I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, Eric will go wherever the kids want to go or return to. There are many things that make a location returnable. It's whatever speaks to their hearts. As he stated, for us, we visit Italy, specifically Florence and Tuscany or the Greek Isle of Naxo, so much so that the locals know our names in several of the locations. Number two, let the kids have a stake in planning. Look for things like kid-friendly tours. They're simplified and the content is perfect for parents too. Number three, parent first, then traveler, then photographer or content creator. That's the order that Eric approaches all of his travels so that he's always focusing on what is most important. He didn't want travel to become not fun for the kids or get paid to do things that weren't kid friendly. Number four, I'm not afraid to show my kids faces, but seeing those accounts just didn't inspire me. Most times I shared photos of my kids often as they were walking away because that's naturally where I was and they just weren't interested in posing. Number five, even if a place looks cool online doesn't mean it's great kid-friendly place. Capture what's authentic and find the details in what speaks to you. Number six, Eric is not willing to disrupt their vacation for work. His followers deserve better and he wanted to maintain an organic nature of photography, not sponsored posed photos. Number seven, he set a boundary and he didn't accept free travel. He wasn't going to travel without his family unless he was getting paid. Number eight, networking is everything. Meeting people in person is a game changer. Travel writers and adventure brands are just naturally fun to be around. Go to events, meet people face to face. For Eric, while he was new and uncomfortable at ITB Berlin, he was able to geek out with new destinations and had such a trip just meeting people that he genuinely liked hanging out with and maybe would travel with one day. Number nine, what's your intro? Have 20 seconds that describes why you are unique. What would someone do if they wanted to work with you? What's your attitude on travel? What's your perspective on fill in the blank? Your intro is what makes you memorable. Number 10, travel is cumulative. Explore with your kids as early and as often as you can because good things will come of it. It doesn't matter if they will remember it or not. You will. Thank you so much for joining this episode. I love having these conversations, but more importantly, I love just connecting and finding the tools and the resources that will bring value to you. I referenced a couple of articles in this episode as well that I referenced in the episode. And I don't think Eric really talked about how he funds it. Obviously, he's now being paid and this is his career to do some sponsorships with brands and things of that nature. But if you're looking for ways to optimize your travel budget, I'd still have open the live Q&A that is available to talk about travel hacking for families. And you can register for that. Again, doors close on that on Sunday at ordinarysherpa.com backslash live. I hope to see you Sunday, but if not, I hope to hear more from you. I'd love to hear what resonated with you, but also just learn what are your goals? What does adventure look like in your life? Keep on adventuring and I look forward to touching base with you next week. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. 
We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.